Every now and then something happens on live television that immediately becomes, well, an unforgettable part of pop culture history. Whether it's Janet Jackson's wardrobe malfunction in 2004 at the Super Bowl halftime show, or Tom Cruise jumping up and down on Oprah Winfrey's couch, or Kanye West preempting Taylor Swift, every now and then these things happen that capture everyone's attention in popular culture. Well, now we can add another entry to this infamous list. Will Smith slapping Chris Rock at this year's Academy Awards. Hey everyone, Adam Holtz here, your host of The Plugged In Show, focused on the family's weekly conversation about entertainment, pop culture, and technology. Thanks for joining us today. And before we go any further, if you're thinking, there's something really wrong with his voice, uh, you're right, there is. I've been a little bit under the weather but uh, I feel better than I sound, and we're pressing through this morning. <laughs> and the good news for you all is I'm going to let everybody else talk as much as possible. So we'll, Always good news. We won't have to subject no, you to this. News. Well, if you were watching the Academy Awards on March 27th, you probably had the same reaction to Will Smith unexpectedly slapping Chris Rock after a mean joke that I did. And that was, uh, what just happened? Obviously, there's been a ton of talk about it since then regarding exactly what did happen. And today we're going to talk not only about that event itself, but how it might be a springboard and maybe one that you wouldn't think about for conversation with our families about how we respond to difficult things and how we respond to things that maybe trigger us or set us off emotionally. And even if you weren't watching the Academy Awards with your kids, which frankly, I'm kind of hoping you weren't, <laughs> um, this thing has become a meme machine since it happened. And so your kids have probably seen this slap, even if they don't have any context for it. And so I think it's worth talking about for all of those reasons. And in our second segment, Paul AC is going to tell us about the movie Coda, which of course won Best Picture at the Academy Awards. And before that Sunday night, I think it's a fair guess to say most of you had never heard of the movie Coda. <laughs> so we want to tell you a little bit more about it. And before we dive into our discussion in earnest, I would also encourage you to follow the Plugged In Show wherever you get your podcasts. Leave a comment, leave a review, leave a like. Uh, tell me what you think of my awesome Batman voice. I'm Batman. That's about the only <laughs> thing this is good for today. We would love to hear what you're thinking about our conversation today and, and how you responded, especially to what happened with Will Smith at the Oscars. Well, this year's Academy Awards may have been the second lowest rated ever after last year's, which with COVID, nobody really cared about movies last year. But thanks to Will Smith, I think it's safe to say probably more people have viewed that particular moment of the telecast <laughs> than anything in Oscar history. Uh, it's just so strangely compelling to watch this thing that happened. And uh, we're going to talk about that today. And I am joined by Paul AC, Jonathan McKee, and Kennedy and Thank to kick around what happened and why it's significant for us. So, hey, everyone. Good morning. Well, for anyone who somehow has managed to miss this story. I don't want to accuse anybody of living in a cave or under a rock. I'm guessing most people have probably heard about it by now, but what is the crux of what happened? Why did Will Smith jump out of the front row and go after Chris Rock the way he did? Yeah. So it started with Chris Rock making a less than savory joke about Will Smith's wife, Jada. Uh, and this happened uh, essentially that he made a comment about her hair loss 
and it was in reference to the movie G.I. Jane, and uh, basically... Which was, involved Demi Moore with a shaved head. Yes, exactly. Right. Um, and so as Will Smith heard that, he got up, and he walked over to Chris Rock, and he slapped him. Uh, what was later revealed was that Jada actually has an illness that is causing her hair to fall out. And allegedly, Chris Rock did not know about this when he made the joke. Uh, later on, Will Smith did apologize both to uh, the press in general as well as Chris Rock. Well, and I think it's safe to say that watching somebody actually get up and hit another person on live television is something we don't see very often. How did you guys yeah. respond if you were watching live or if you came on it later? Well, for me, I was watching it live, and I, I think my reaction was much the same as a lot of people in the audience. They, we were sort of thinking, is this scripted? Is this a joke? Did that really happen? Because I think that there was some doubt, like when he first walked up, once he sat back down and started swearing at Chris Rock from his seat, we thought, you know what? There's something off about this moment. And it really did feel, it It felt like a train wreck, and it sort of took over pretty much the rest of the Oscars ceremony, at least tonally. You know, it was difficult to get away from. Jonathan, what about you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, first of all, the word slap is uh, an interesting word because, man, I saw the footage, the replay several times, and that it was a hit, man. I mean, it, it, maybe it was open hand, but it, it it was not like a little, like, how dare you? You know right. what I mean? It was, right. it, mm -hmm. it was you made me angry. And uh, yeah, no, I think I was the same way as most people thinking, is this a practical joke? Wait, let's check the date. Is it April 1st? Uh, you know, but when he was yelling from the ground, I was like, man, this is something's happening here. And my first thoughts were, you know, in entertainment media, for decades, we've solved problems by at the end of you know the time when somebody's mean to you. What do you do? You go up and hit him in the face, and everybody high fives and and you know walk off into the sunset. So here it actually happened, and everybody's like, oh, "What a shock!" So a little bit of irony that we're celebrating the movies and media that portray this all the time, but when it actually happens, it's like, "What? It can't be." So. Interesting discussion piece for sure. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting discussion piece because you're absolutely right. I mean, when when you talk about even my one of my favorite genres, right, superhero movies, people are always beating each other up in superhero movies. And right. it, it, Thanos didn't just slap people; <laughs> he snapped he, he people. Them. <laughs> and you do have this sense that, in a way, might makes right. Strength is really important to show. Da 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 da. And you see this element within this this confrontation between Chris Rock and Will Smith, you know? I was amazed when I saw him get on stage how big Will Smith looked compared to Chris Rock. Yeah. He just looked big. And you understand, I think, knowing the context of the joke, knowing the history behind Jada Pinkett Smith's hair loss, you can understand why that might have rankled the people who it was directed at. But at the same time, you can't act like it's part of a movie, right? Right. Striking somebody isn't necessarily the best way to deal with, with conflict. Well, and let's talk about the movie part, because I think in his acceptance speech for best actor for his role in King Richard, about 45 minutes later, um, he seemed to sort of almost want to use his role as a kind of defense or an excuse or explanation. Take your pick. And 
in that movie, Richard Williams, who is the father of Venus and Serena Williams, is kind of and you know, a tiger dad, right? I mean, he does and says things that are over the line. And Will sort of alluded to, you know, maybe he was doing something similar. And I felt like there was this blurring of art and reality as an excuse. And the interesting thing for me has been nobody's even bit on that at all, which I think is right. But uh, let's talk about that some more. You know, I think that that's absolutely right. I think that you you see within the movie, and we know that these roles can impact people, right? We They sink so deeply into the characters that it becomes a part of them, at least for the time that they're playing those people, right? Um, obviously, the movie was done long, long before, but you still have elements. It, probably just the, the run-up to the Oscars brings a little bit of that back. But I also think about being a husband and being a parent. And there's been some talk about, you know, the nature of Will Smith and Jada's relationship. But but at the same time, I think that most of us who are parents can at least put ourselves in the shoes of somebody who finds that their child or their wife or their husband is being unfairly maligned and what we feel like we need to do, even if what what we want to do is wholly inappropriate to the situation. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, and that was my response, even just watching it. And um, fairly shortly after it happened, the Academy released a statement saying they don't condone violence in any way. And my thought was exactly what Jonathan's was. It's like, wait a minute. Um, every year we have movies that are drenched in violence and we're invited to watch those stories. But, you know, the implication is there's no connection to real life at all. And and I think that we need to talk about that. Say, well, does this cause us to rethink our depictions of violence? Do we need to be thinking in a different way uh, because as Will Smith was walking up and later I thought, man, if this was a movie, people would be cheering and the reviews would be, it's gritty, it's honest, it's gut level. Um, But in reality, it was assault, you know, it doesn't in any way justify what he did. And so I think there's that real disconnect that, that Jonathan was talking about. And and it gets back to how we engage with entertainment, right? right? I, I think that we all understand there is a difference between what we see in the movies and what goes on in real life. I think we all understand that. And yet... These stories are presented as part of who we are as well. And I think sometimes when you hear Hollywood talk about about entertainment itself, they talk about it being a reflection of society. Uh, You have directors that make films that want to change society. We have some of those that were nominated for Academy Awards this year. Um, So... And yet when, when something like this happens, there tends to be a sort of pullback and saying, listen, the violence that we see in movies, that's just movies. That's just right. entertainment. I don't know if societally, if culturally, that's right, because I think that you can't really have it both ways. You can't say that movies change the culture and yet have no impact on the culture. No, I think that's exactly right. And I want to pivot here and begin to talk about how do we talk about this and think about this with our families and with our kids? Because I think there are all kinds of ways that we could use this as a springboard to deeper conversation. But what do you think some of the takeaways are, especially if we have maybe, you know, teenagers who have seen this and are talking about it, where do we start with this conversation? Yeah, I think that immediately one of the things you have to think through 
is uh, something that Jonathan just really briefly mentioned was that you made me mad. You know, that that is where this all starts is essentially this idea of you have done something to me, so I need to take my vengeance. Yeah. You know, and I think it's important for kids to realize that, yes, someone else may have made you mad, but one of the things that um, makes a person a person is you need to be able to control yourself. You need to have your self-control and you shouldn't uh, strike back. It's not going to end well for you. Yep. And such a good word, Kennedy. And the question is, where does that self-control come from? Yes. And for us as parents, where do we begin that conversation? You know, it's interesting uh, in the last couple of years, you know, we had a rough year a couple of years ago. And one thing that really changed in my life is I've just been spending a lot more time in the word. And uh, just so happened that this week I was in First Corinthians chapter six, reading about lawsuits uh, among believers. And it was interesting because Paul in that passage was talking about, Hey, wh- why are you so you know quick to defend yourselves uh, like this? Don't you remember who you are in Christ? Do you remember what Christ, how Christ was wronged for you? Shouldn't we be wronged? Basically, is what he was saying. And it was coming out of that that I saw the Will Smith thing happen. And for me, immediately, my context went back to what I was reading in Scripture. And that's where the discussions begin. And if all we're doing is watching entertainment media and going, oh, now let me look up a Bible verse really quick, it's going to be hard to always do that. But I guess what I'm emphasizing is if we as families are spending time in the Word, um, when these things happen, our kids are even going to be able to like, hey, we read about that the other night, Dad. You know, And we're going to be talking about the truth. And then when the lies of this world happen, we're going to be able to recognize those. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that I thought of as, as this whole scenario was going down, what I was struck with most was, wasn't as much by the slap, but what came afterwards? What happened when Will Smith took the stage to accept his Academy Award? And he called out Denzel Washington for giving him a good word, I think, saying, you know, at your highest height, that's when the devil attacks. Mm. And I think that that was definitely a timely bit of advice from Denzel. And I think it reminds us as as believers and as parents to be mindful of the people who can speak into our own lives. Because let's be honest, Will Smith is not necessarily that alone. We're not going to necessarily slap somebody on stage while millions and millions of people are watching, but we all do things that are wrong. We all make mistakes. And and sometimes we need to be mindful of the voices around us to pull us back, to bring us to what we need to be thinking when our own emotions take control. Because being humans, they often do. Yeah. And I think that's really what I was thinking when I first saw the slap was just that kind of you know, empathy on that Mm -hmm. was just, you know, I've made bad choices. You know, you've made bad choices. We've all done things in the moment that we thought were right. And then when we look back, we're like, ah, I wish I wouldn't have done that. And you could tell that Will, you know, (laughs) had thought about it within the, the next 40 minutes before his acceptance speech. And he just, it really just I think it's another thing that we can tell our kids is that, hey, everyone deserves forgiveness. You know, everyone deserves uh, to get a second chance and a third chance. Jesus says, hey, forgive them not only seven times, but 77 times. Yeah. You know, and that's not a literal number, obviously. Right. Right. It's hyperbole. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I think a couple of things related to that are how do we deal with our emotions? And we live in an entertainment culture that 
really emphasizes emotion as your primary compass, right? I mean, let's talk about the entire Disney catalog, which is follow your heart. Guess what? I think that we can say Will Smith followed his heart here, but it wasn't quite the right place that he needed to go. And we don't Mm -hmm. usually think about following your heart and giving, you know, vent to your emotions, maybe in ways that involve retribution to use your word. But when we just follow our heart and our emotions are our guide, we can get into real trouble. Um, And I think the other thing that I try to emphasize with my kids is your strong emotions are not the problem. Sometimes we get angry. Sometimes we're disappointed. Sometimes we feel like something unjust has happened. I can handle your emotions, but we have to make a distinction between your strong emotions and how you respond after them. And so my son was mad at my wife the other day and he yelled at her and I just stopped him. I said, I understand why you're angry, but your anger does not justify treating your mom disrespectfully. And we're not going to have that. And so there's that distinction. And I think one other thing related to this is in Hollywood, we often don't see consequences depicted yep. and yeah. Will Smith is going to deal with the consequences of this action probably for the rest of his career in one way or another. We'll see how it happens and how it plays out. Uh, And so I think that we can talk about, okay, if you're watching a movie or a TV show, if somebody did that in real life, what would the consequences be and help our kids begin to think about that? Absolutely. Absolutely. One of the things that strikes me as you're talking, you know, Smith talked about love will make you do crazy things. And there's truth in that. But I think it gets to a definition that I think as Christians we need to have. Love isn't just about the heart. It's about the mind. It's about the soul. We need to be mindful about how we are showing our love to people. And I think that's a a great place to stick the landing on this conversation with that quote. And, And I think in this sense, you know, Will was sort of using it a little bit as an excuse. But we could even talk about what does crazy look like. And from a Christian point of view, I think crazy is saying... I'm going to lay down my rights. I am going to lay down my impulse to seek retribution or justice on my terms. I'm going to turn the other cheek. So in some ways, the love that Jesus talks about, it really is crazy from a worldly point of view, but I don't think it's crazy in quite the way Will Smith (laughs) was talking about. Well, I hope our conversation today has given you some fodder for thought about how you can talk about this with your family, about how what we see on screen and the stories that we engage with may influence us, may influence the way we make decisions, the things that we value. Uh, But sometimes in real life, things don't play out quite the way they do in the movies. And I think that there's a lot that we can talk about here. And I want to I want to also end this by saying I feel something between sympathy and pity for Will Smith. Because I think like you were saying, Kennedy, um, he made a terrible choice and he happened to do it with 16 million people watching. And he's dealing with the consequences of that, including his resignation from the Academy. But even in my own life, I need that forgiveness that you were talking about. Uh, And at the same time, we can offer forgiveness, but that doesn't mean that the consequences go away either. Mm-hmm. And so that's an important thing for our children to understand as we're helping them to work through these issues. So thanks, guys. Well, one of the fun things about the Oscars, and I think that our conversation has shown that maybe fun isn't the right adjective for <laughs> this year's broadcast, but there's always that possibility of an upset. And at least from what I read, this year the pre-show buzz was all about Benedict Cumberbatch's gritty Western power of the dog might be a runaway winner, but it wasn't. 
Instead, an Apple TV Plus movie called Coda got the nod for Best Movie of the Year. And Paul, AC, who reviewed it, is here to tell us about it. So, Paul, what is the story with Coda in this PG-13 drama? You know, sometimes leading up to the Oscars, I thought that I might have been one of like four or five people who saw this movie. It was on Apple TV+, Plus, which makes it the very first uh, movie from a streaming service to win a Best Picture Academy Award. Um, and it's essentially about this teen girl. She goes to high school. She is the daughter of two deaf parents, and her brother is also deaf. CODA is an acronym which stands for Child of Deaf Adults. Mm. Uh, so she grows up in a very different environment that I think most of her classmates would understand. Uh, She lives in a world where it's a loud environment. You know, pots and pans are banged. Music is pegged to 11 because that's how people can hear it within her household. They can feel feel the the vibration. So it's not as quiet environment, but it is silent in a different sort of way. Um, She has grown up in two different worlds because she can hear, she can speak. Uh, And all of a sudden, because she signs up for choir, she sees a cute boy signing up for choir, uh, decides to follow along. She discovers that she loves to sing. Hmm. More importantly, she has a talent for it. She finds that she may even have such a talent that she's able to go to school for it, go to college. She was planning on being a fisherman for the rest of her life because that's what her family does. But she has this new opportunity. And it's really fun in a way because this story takes that sense of teen disillusionment. My parents just don't understand what I like. This is a case where that is true it is real because they, her parents literally cannot understand the power and the beauty of song. Hmm. Wow. So why do you think that the Academy picked this one as best picture? What are the themes that really stand out? And I think we can even hear them in your, your summary so far. It, it was an unexpected choice, I think. I was surprised even to see it nominated. It was a it was a very well-made movie. It was honestly a little bit sweeter than what the Academy typically goes for. You know, The Power of the Dog is a very gritty, very serious, very uh, complex movie that feels like it just has the Academy voters' interest. This one, I think maybe the Academy just wanted something sweeter, something lighter. After the last few years that we have dealt with, maybe the the voters just said, we need a little bit of hope. We need a little Mm. bit of light. We need a little bit of music in our lives. And this had that. It had that inspirational center. While it still dealt with some really important issues, you know, it it talks about about disability. It talks about uh, sort of moving into your own self in a way. You know, there's just that whole coming of age story and and learning what you like apart from your family while still embracing your family. This had we've talked about Encanto quite a bit on this on this podcast, but it had some of those same elements balancing balancing those individual desires with the love and duty that you feel toward your family. Okay. Well, and I mentioned that it was PG-13, and that's sort of a sword that cuts both ways, right? I mean, a lot of stuff we see nominated for Best Picture is R-rated. So relatively speaking, this has less content. Mm -hmm. But 
Obviously, there's enough here to get a PG-13. So what kinds of content issues do parents and families who might be intrigued by that story need to know about? You bet. It's a messy story, you know, because Ruby's family is a messy family. Um, This is, as I said in my review, this is not the type of family that I grew up in. You know, you have you have kids who talk back to their parents. There's a lot of swearing. But is there swearing like in sign language? Well, you see it read, of course, okay. right? So you do have a lot of, and you have a lot of sort of crude humor that pops up. The other thing is that her parents, uh, Jackie and Frank, they love each other deeply. And you see that love manifested in some awkward ways. She brings home her the boy that she likes, and her parents are sort of engaged in an intimate moment upstairs. <laughs> and because they're deaf, they're, deaf, they're not really mindful of the noises that they're making and so that becomes sort of this long five minute thing that parents really need to be aware about because it is a little bit awkward and that sounds like it might be one of the bigger content issues i would say so that you need to navigate well thanks paul for bringing us up to speed on coda if you weren't aware of it uh before the oscars hopefully that gives you a little bit more context for why it's a story that got the oscars attention what's good about it and some of the things we need to be aware Mm -hmm. of so thanks paul you bet Well, now it's time for a part of the show we call Pop Culture Connection. And each week, our producer Ashley comes in with mm, brain-stumping questions for us to answer about (laughs) pop culture. We have 30 seconds to answer the question she asks us, and she also keeps track of the number of responses we give. And uh, each week, somebody is a big winner, which I think feels like an affirmation boost. I'm hoping it's me this week because I, you know, the voice and all. But but anyway, enough about that. Ashley, I turn things over to you. Thank you. You said brainstorming. I was thinking you're going to say brilliant. Well, yes, brilliant also. Brilliant. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, let's see. I think first we should have Paul. Oh, my goodness. You can do this, Paul. All right. All right. So is this thematic? It is thematic. It is Oscars. Oscars. Oh or boy. award season. Oh, man. So okay. we'll okay. go with that. All right. All, All right. right. So I'm ready. I'm going to choose file. our question here. Random question. All right, Paul. Oh, I'm so nervous. Out on the red carpet, what celebrity are you hoping to interview and why? Oh, Ooh, Joaquin Phoenix, I think. Just because he's such an interesting guy, I want to know whether he's as interesting and as crazy sometimes as he seems on screen. He he has done a lot of performance art in his time, and I find that pretty interesting. So I would I would like to know what his process is. I would like to know uh, why he chooses the roles that he does. I want to know if he is actually pretty normal when he goes home at night. Does he actually just sort of sit back and watch House Hunters or what? Nice. Holy cow, Paul. That if I didn't great. know better, I'd think that you had that question ahead of time. Yeah. You know? yeah. But I watched Ashley pull it out of the jar, so I know. Yeah. I, I don't even care if you won numerically. <laughs> Content-wise, you won, Paul. That was, that was great. Good. Qualitatively, it's like you've been doing this for years. Yeah. Gonna... I was thinking the first name that popped in my head. Wait. Joaquin Phoenix. Probably if you gave me 15 minutes to think about it, I would have come up with a totally different yeah. answer. Yeah. Well, I could have said Heath good. Ledger. Uh, I'm going to say you got seven points for oh, that. Boy. Very nicely done. I like it. Wow. All right. Nice. So next, let's go to Adam. Yay. <laughs> All right. Your question. Seven is the point total to I just wanna, Adam. I just want to be on the board. All right. What award show, Golden Globes, Oscars, Grammys, Tonys, would you want to attend and why? 
Well, I would want to go to the Oscars just because it's the granddaddy. Uh, you want to see everybody in their swank outfits. Um, you never know when there might be some sort of outburst during the whole thing that is extraordinarily <laughs> memorable. I'm guessing that whoever I would list as my favorite stars would be there. Uh, and I was recently in Hollywood and stayed right next to it. So I know what it looks like and where it's at and how to get there, which if you're going to go, it's a bonus to actually be able to get <laughs> you to You don't the have theater. to ask directions. So... Um, yeah, there you uh, go. Nicely done. That's nicely done. I never thought of that as a qualification for an award ceremony. I know how to get there. <laughs> I, I well, know where you it know, is. You know, when you're getting points for each thing you say, you're... I know. It, it I know. works. It's However, you only got six points. <sighs> but nice try. You know, I feel like it was a good effort. Good it effort. It was totally good, good on effort. The board. Definitely on yes. the board. All right. Jonathan, let's go with you next. Absolutely. All right. Your question is... If you could win one of those awards, what would you win for, and why does that have significance for you? Definitely would want to win Best Director because I uh, just always loved movies and wanted to be a director. I want to be up there with Steven Spielberg. I want to be up there with Michael Mann. I want to be up there with all the my favorite directors. You get to tell people what to do. You get the credit for kind of being the creativity behind the thing. You get to work with difficult writers. You get to tell actors <laughs> you, exactly what to say and how long. Um, you're the guy in charge. You get to use that little clapper thing. Uh, you get to yell action. <laughs> Oh, the clapper thing, right? Nice. Which isn't true. You don't to get to use it, but I, I got a, a picture point of like it. one of those things that you hold in your hand and go back and yeah. forth with. <laughs> it makes the applause, but that's not what you're talking about. It's actually called uh, a clapper. It felt like you got like 15, but what was the official I score? I said 10. Yeah. Oh. Nice yeah, job, was, Jonathan. That was a nice job, Jonathan. Yes. And, and I know that, that you would be thrilled to be in the same company as Terrence Malick. Oh. Oh, oh man! On that note, yeah, that's another Kennedy, podcast are you ready? for another time. Yes, one. yes. All I'm right, this is a fun one. You are hosting the Oscars. <laughs> Who is your co-host and why? Oh. Um, I'm gonna have to probably say Chris Pratt. <laughs> that's a good choice. And the only reason good why good is one. because he's very zany. I feel like he and I would probably get along, which I think is probably pretty integral to being a good co-host with someone. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he'd be able to make jokes that are relatively clean. It'd be a pretty, you know, innocent Oscars in comparison <laughs> to most of them. Uh, we'd probably never get invited back because of how clean we are. <laughs> well, That's good awesome. job. I got four for you. So, Jonathan, you are the winner with 10 points. Oh, nice right. job, Jonathan. Jonathan. So, Kennedy, I'm kind of sad that you didn't pick me as your Oscar co-host. Oh. <laughs> well, you were second place. All right. No, yeah, well, yeah. we're going to get Chris your Chris Pratt. We're going to get your punch card for counseling ready here, Paul, so you can work through. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again for spending some time with us this week at the Plugged In Show. What were your thoughts about what happened with Will Smith at the Oscars this year? Or your thoughts about the Oscars in general? Let us know on Facebook or Instagram or shoot us an email at team at thepluggedinshow.com. We would love to hear from you. And as our thank you for being a part of the Plugged In Show family today, for a gift of any amount, we'd love to send you a copy of Paul Acey's book, Burning Bush 2.0, How Pop Culture Replaced the Prophet. You'll find a link to order that book in the episode notes for today's show, as well as on the Plugged In blog entry for our conversation this week, or just give us a call at 800-A-FAMILY. 
Well, thanks so much again for taking some time with us today. Thanks for bearing with my voice. Hopefully it will be better by next week. And we look forward to connecting with you again then for another episode of The Plugged In Show. Thank you.